0: Let's do the show, folks!
1: Gum, gum,
0: gum! And who might you be?
1: It's the Star Wars Report! Star Wars Report! Star Wars Report!
2: The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic!
0: Good morning. (laughs) Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force.
1: It's calling to you. Just let it in.
0: Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. Welcome back. Welcome back. It is, like I said, the Star Wars Report podcast episode 400. uh, Let me look at the notes. It's 475, six, one of those. We're getting up there. Uh, but I am glad to have you back, and bl- glad to be uh, talking all things Star Wars with my good friend and yours. It's a longtime friend of the Star Wars Report podcast, and a uh, a radio broadcasting legend. It's Mister Scott Rifen. Right, I like that Scott. Here is here is the deal. Here is the deal. All uh-huh. right, hang on. <clears throat> Let's cut cut the music. So here is the deal. Okay, I was a, I was traveling for work all week, mm-hmm. um, to uh, the Pacific headquarters. Of the United States Air Force at Hickam Field
2: in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii.
0: So I was suffering <laughs> all week.
2: <laughs> I was trying to figure out if you were trying to work a humble brag in, but you did. You worked. Oh, I led brag. with Congratulations. it. Congratulations!
0: <laughs> right off the top of the show, man. Uh, no, <laughs> but I like. I I was. I normally try to stay a little plugged in. I, like I famously now mm. that I'm more or less, I've I've abandoned the world of. Uh, Star Wars social media, and for your health and sanity, you, the fine listener of this p- program, I suggest you do the same. But I, I, I've, I'm unplugged more or less from that side, but I still like, keep up with the blogs, I i now follow the Reddit and kind of generally what's going on. But I, I feel like there's nothing, there's literally nothing happening in Star Wars. I, 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 I'm at a loss, man. I'm just opening the show this way. It's a terrible way to admit failure. But if there's one thing I've learned about um, about broadcast tradition that shows are far better when they're honest so if anything some of my uh favorite talk radio uh inspirations growing up like uh would approach it the same way so here we go guys here we are we're here to talk star wars and there's one guy i know who can like make an entertaining fun podcast even when there's not a lot of news and that's you mr scott ripen so thanks for coming on and co-hosting with me this fine week
2: Oh this is this is the week to do it as far as I'm concerned. So can I op- This is the one.
0: Can I can I do the thing I always do which is open the segment not talking about Star Wars and throw off everybody. Leave your iTunes reviews now. Please. Um, so I I think here's the thing. Being mm-hmm. in the military I find myself often, well, traveling for work. As I was just recently humble bragging about, they're not all that fancy, (laughs) I promise. But that was pretty. That was a fun one. But like, and also like moving bases every few years. Uh, I'm at my second assignment, about to go to my third. You don't really lay down roots um, per se. It's it's like it's part of the lifestyle. It's 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 a given. But um, particularly in COVID that's the case where like even if you could lay down roots you can't see anybody so it's been this interesting phenomenon and here's what I, I do ladies and gentlemen I will sometimes and I found myself even in Hawaii beautiful Hawaii I would be kind of bored what? because my wife's half a world away and I'm, oh, on, and I'm on and I'm on base yeah she's actually on the other side of uh, the planet at an undisclosed location it's also for a work trip that one was a lot worse there's a lot more sand involved in that one <laughs> So I got the far oh, better. Hate sand. Uh, exactly. Thank you. At least we got a <laughs> Star Wars reference in there. But I found myself uh, downloading the iHeartRadio app Ooh. and just listening to uh, WGIG, the daily Scott Riefen podcast, because yes. there's this thing that, Scott, that you bring to podcasting that I always appreciate, which is just an old school talk radio flair. And so in this, in this weird world of, of, Uh, where I find myself fairly unplugged from any local community, I feel like I'm from Brunswick especially, so I just, I love tuning into the, your freaking morning radio show where you're talking about like uh, the most, most recently like the, uh, the college kids on St. Simons Island and the city council mm-hmm. voting for this and high profile local court cases and protests and like, I just feel like plugged into the city of Brunswick, Georgia in a way that I have nowhere that I've actually lived in my entire life and so oh. I have no idea, I had to bring that in and I was like, I'm going to just bring this on the show itself because I'm excited to talk with you as always but mostly because 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 i don't know why but when you when you listen to scott's podcast it is literally like it's 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 a part of a small community
2: i like it do remember Mm. when you say local like local trials yeah that one's kind of national well yeah that's true that's true (laughs) it's like uh so we're but you're hearing the local perspective on this thing that is kind of national yeah um no. But uh yeah, it's uh, I I am glad. I'm what you're telling me is that I'm plugged into my community and that's a good thing. Yes. Uh, cuz that's my gig. The, the funny thing is, you know Shaz Shaz Bazaar. Yes, yeah,
0: yes I do. Uh host uh, of uh uh Techno Retro Dads if you guys have heard the, the podcast.
2: The late great Techno Retro Dads and Wait, they, uh, it's
0: it's wait, did it sunset?
2: Yeah. Yeah, my
0: another I, podcast retiree. <laughs> Listen, Star Wars. What was the um, the Star Wars books podcast from Jovial J of Force.net? I forget. Why am I blanking on the name? He retired. I mentioned that. There's uh, a
2: yeah. uh, Joey Tavano and yeah. Jedi schwa of mm-hmm. Techno Retro Jazz have started their own new podcast. So.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. There you
2: go. But um, uh, no, I, Shaz listens to the show every morning. Oh no and way. Yeah, and he'll sit and interact with me the whole morning. He'll send me texts and messages and comment on everything and the, but the, and, and occasionally call in. But the funny thing is, one day I asked him, you know, you're in Dothan, Alabama. <laughs> Why do you listen to my local radio show every morning? And he said, because it makes Dothan sound sane. <laughs> <And> so... <laughs> man, that's saying something, man.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So... <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, it's... um. I don't know. I I I came to appreciate it. And I I do enjoy uh, tuning. In. Well, and here's the thing. It, it has a um. Oh, I, I can tie this into Star Wars a little bit, but that that local flair of of old school local talk radio. So I I grew up. I, man, I'm really laying it on thick. Don't let this go to your head, yes. Scott.
2: Oh, it's too late.
0: But, but. <laughs> I did the same with Jimmy, too. I was, I was, I was such a sycophant. I'm so, I'm this, I am I, I can't help myself. But there's... Your
2: roll tour is just, yeah.
0: So, I did grow up... Uh, Atlanta's uh, my hometown. So, I grew up listening to Neil Bortz, and I know you know who that is. Yes, um, yes. And, and so, Neil Bortz is like the definition of what I think of as local radio. And he was... Um uh, in Atlanta's a big city, so it's a it's a bit different, but I, I it's saying a lot to say that I find myself like more intrigued, plugged in, and interested in like the the local community of uh of Brunswick, the way you do your show, uh than I was with listening to to Neil Bortz uh in, in local Atlanta Talk Radio. And I know like seven people right now listening to the podcast get that reference. <laughs> but there You'd you be go. surprised. You know, yeah, he's a, a legend, a legend, uh, in yeah. the world of talk radio. And it's and that's one thing, you know, I was, I was talking about if you haven't listened to the um episode I did with Jimmy Mack, please please do so. It's it's a it's a I I it's, need to. It, yeah, do it, Scott, because it's essentially a tour de force of me sort of processing the evolution of Star Wars podcasting fandom. Hmm. Because I was very close to it, and so was, and so is Jimmy, and so I mean yeah. Jimmy and uh has, has been around even longer than we have, and that's saying something because we realized kind of on the air as we we're talking, like we met and had been podcasting like ten years, whereas they've been doing it for fifteen like, something years. But like yeah. I, I realized that oh yeah, the, this show is retiring at, at, at just over the ten year mark, and I was like wow, that is that is a long time, especially when Indeed. you're talking twenty to thirty. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, and you know, here I am. I've done like thirty episodes of my Star Wars story, and that's it. So,
0: <laughs> well, the latest release—you did release one recently, so we should take a moment to plug to plug it because I know it's yes. a long time coming.
2: I'm on I'm on the every eighteen month schedule, and uh, <laughs> this has been the latest one. It's good. It's Adam Bray. Adam Bray's beautiful man. Yes, um, he is. Great stories, and and I love these where these guys have spent time overseas. Uh, same thing with Steve Bennett. Do you know Steve Bennett?
0: I do, I do. I've met him briefly once or twice.
2: I felt like you had because he goes to like every podcast event ever. Yes. Um. In fact, Steve. Here's the funny thing. Now, Steve Bennett, I did not really know. I really didn't know him. Period. Yeah. And he reached out, and he's like, "Hey." uh i want to do my star wars story i'm like okay he's like and i'm gonna come to brunswick and record it with you (laughs) okay he's
0: so that's a short list i I did the same thing
2: (laughs) yeah you yeah you did you and Glosson, and uh but you know Glosson lived an hour away you were three or four hours away he was living in texas he came here spent the night at my house no way did the podcast with me nice it was it was
0: i should go back and listen to the episode
2: Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, because it was in this room when this room sounded better than it does. (laughs) But uh, it was just, it was the neatest thing because it was like, yeah, I'm so committed to doing this and doing it well and having it sound good, et cetera, et cetera. I'm coming to your house. Nice. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I feel like, and this is reaching back a ways, and, and my brain always tends to play tricks on me these days, but um, I believe Steve was uh, like a secondary Steve. There are like two Steves at some of the Star Wars weekends. I think that's where we got mm-hmm. to hang out some. That sounds right if my memory serves me correctly.
2: He did, he goes to a lot of those events. He goes to, so it would make sense. And he yeah. will just, he's one of those guys, he's like Shaz who will just pick up and travel. Yeah. You know, we, we did commentary tracks for a couple of the prequel, or excuse me, sequel trilogy movies mm-hmm. Shaz and i glossin and uh shaz would literally drive from dothan it's about five hours away from here he would drive from dothan come over here we'd have lunch we'd record the commentary then he'd go back to dothan <laughs> it's like, what what are you doing nice and, and steve's kind of like that he'll just pick up and go somewhere i i can't do that like if 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 you want me to go somewhere that's more than three hours away from my house you better make sure i have a place to stay for the night
0: <laughs> that, <laughs> is nice that is a lot that is a lot of travel sets. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, do I've done that s- similarly. Well, I, and I was trying, because that reminds me of some of those early Star Wars weekends days. not because cause I, would, I would make a huge drive to stay like one or two nights, mm-hmm. um, but I was also like a broke college kid. Like, yeah. I, I, I still remember, you're, you're talking about college kids on, on this morning show and how they travel. <laughs> I literally would, on the way down, stop and stay at a truck stop get some z's in the car get Mm -hmm. up get up shower keep rolling down the road to disney because all i could afford was the ticket to disney for star wars weekends (laughs) and like splitting a hotel room with uh with a friend down there and like that's so you if that adds to the representative sample scott was talking on his on his show this morning about like how much college kids spend when they travel so i'm putting i'm ticking uh one more in the favor of your uh assessment there
2: Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, the guy that sent the thing back, Talking for those of you who really, you're talking about four people listening now that understand what we're talking <laughs> about. Uh, there's a big event happens in the weekend of the Georgia-Florida game, and we are on the north side of the border, so it is the Georgia-Florida game and not the Florida-Georgia game. <laughs> and, uh, and it basically is a bunch of college kids show up and have a giant five, six thousand person booze fest on our beaches every Friday before the game. Hmm. And uh, many of them are drinking illegally. Almost all of them are drinking well to excess, um, <laughs> to the point like the girls are showing up and literally writing their phone numbers and their names and their hotel and room number on their arms, okay. so that if they pass out, you can identify them. And you know, many of us in the huh?
0: I was just gonna say, there's a there. If you want like concrete, like measurable evidence of whether or not you're making good life decisions, if you're writing your phone number and hotel yes. room
2: on Ma- your arm... many of us find that this is potentially damaging to these young ladies Mm. and therefore we we do not like the event as it is um but one of the things people keep saying that the objection is but this makes this community lots of money and i that's my argument back is college kids don't really spend a lot of money Mm. yeah and uh, somebody responded and said well no we put up 20 kids every year we spend two thousand dollars on them it's like well that's a hundred dollars per kid for the weekend that's not really
0: yeah
2: (laughs) really (laughs) making your case
0: that is so true. That is so true. Yeah, I but, I think um, well I don't know. It's it, and that's I think one of those reasons that um, a Star Wars weekends has that kind of level of nostalgia for me because like it was one of those mm-hmm. things that was so much fun. Even though I was at a stage of life where like by no right should I just be going and spending money at Disney, <laughs> like I've yeah. made it happen somehow. Like that, it's going to happen. Um, and so that's I don't know. It's it's one of those times that reminds me of of we we kind of talk a little bit about those times with with Jimmy Max. So like I say, plugged into that that episode. It's a couple episodes back in the feed. You can definitely catch it.
2: Can you imagine if they still had the Star Wars weekends, which I wish they did? Oh. But if they had still Star Wars weekends and you were still a struggling college student today, oh, God. and you went down there and you're like, oh, I drove all this way. I, I literally was using uh, an eyedropper to put gas in my car to get <laughs> all the way down here. Uh, I can't really afford uh, a hotel room. I bought a slice of turkeys that I can eat this weekend. And uh, just I barely made it here. I can afford the ticket. I showered at a truck stop. <laughs> and I got here and... Jeannie what? <laughs> Je- how... Plus, plus what? Plus fifteen bucks. Okay, well, plus fifteen, and pl- plus what else? Because we're gonna ride Rise of the, Re- we're not gonna ride Rise of the Resistance. Well, yeah, so, so I have to pay you fifteen bucks for the privilege of paying you fifteen more bucks to ride Rise of the. Re- hmm. No, you don't understand. I, I, I have an eyedropper full of gasoline that I got down here, and you don't. What, what are you not getting here?
0: <laughs> how much? Hang on. How much? was a Disney ticket in two thousand call it thirteen. I think that's the first year I went to. Uh f- let's see. Twenty thirteen Walt Disney World. Well you could get a ten day pass for three hundred and twenty five dollars. <laughs> what? Holy cow. So the uh <coughs> Oh geez! So the one day ticket was uh, ninety dollars. Yeah, 92. ninety two dollars. Ninety dollars. Interesting. And yeah. then and now it's it, it's variable, but you're definitely going to spend a hundred and thirty dollars without the park hopper on average.
2: We just bought new annual passes, and we get the good, fancy gold. Yeah. That that are for DVC and Florida residents only. Okay. So we don't pay the the D- big price, but we don't pay the little price. Gotcha. Nine hundred bucks.
0: Well, so that's the thing. So Disneyland just rolled out. <clears throat> Hang on. Beep. Welcome to the Disney portion of the Star Wars Report podcast. Now, <laughs> so Disneyland just rolled out. This is the pro- I haven't recorded a Mouse and Castle for a few weeks, guys. So I have to get it out no. of my system. Disneyland Mouse and Report has been getting in. Um, the 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 disneyland community has been particularly pissed off in the last week because i've noticed some analysis of the disneyland magic key passes their new annual pass system yeah that um when you purchase them they say you get this many reservations at a time and then when you use up a reservation you can then make another one so essentially Mm -hmm. um that's pretty much how the system works unless it's at capacity now what they didn't Mention was, in the fine print, they don't mean at capacity like the traditional total park cap, what happens on Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving. It's very rare for yeah. Disneyland to to actually cap out. They mean reservation ca- capacity, which is an unknown smaller number. But if you have a the top tier $1,300 Magic Key Pass and you log in, the reservations that are open to you uh, num- are like a handful of days in October, a handful of days in November, almost no days in December, and none of them are weekends. So you could be paying $1,300 for your annual pass, and you still don't have the privilege to uh, actually make a reservation. You have to purchase a normal theme park ticket, which when you do, magically, a lot more reservations are then open to you. So wow. there are, there's a larger block of reservations open To non-annual pass holders in a dramatic shift, particularly for Disneyland. And listen, Disneyland is my sort of like, um, it's my pet favorite park. I understand objectively, objectively that WDW is vastly superior, but there's a special place in my heart, in my heart for for Disneyland. Um, and I think there's just a heart to the park that you can't really, you can't really describe very well. It's just sort of a a an aura, and by that, (laughs) an aura of orange groves. That have been chopped down a long time ago uh, in service at the parks. So anyway, um, and there's a Waltness to it. Yes, it you know it's the original park, and there's just a there's a, a it, and to me call it a, a obscene. Um, I don't know loyalty to a, to a brand image that's long since died. But there's something about it being the original Walt Park. So I, yeah. I love Disneyland. I say all that to say it's it's officially transitioned into the annual pass holders. You don't buy an annual pass to be able to like. You know what? I'm going to go to Disneyland tonight, which is why you used to buy an annual pass. Yes. My question to you, Scott Riefen, have mm. you observed any similar issues for the new annual passes that they introduced for Walt Disney World? Because I haven't seen anything online about it, but I, I'm concerned for you as a new annual pass holder. I don't know what they're freaking calling it for for, for Disney you know, World.
2: They're still calling them annual passes and, and on the East Coast.
0: Okay. No more the magic, the not so magic key.
2: Yeah. But you know the the thing that I'm I'm noticing about it is you know we don't we don't get any ride reservations at all, yeah. We don't get any of that. But what we do we we used to get we used to get the memory maker, you okay. know the photo pass <laughs> yep, downloads yep. automatic. Uh, we don't get that anymore unless you pay an extra hundred dollars. Yeah. And there's another add on. I can't remember what it is because it's not a normal one we did. But that's also another hundred dollars. So yeah. they're kind of stripping away all the things that used to make it special and charging you for it um it's interesting I, I, you know a, who Lin theme,
0: is. a theme of the disney corporation over the last year
2: yeah well you, you know who lintest is right
0: lintest does uh, not he, off the top of my, maybe
2: disney blogger podcaster he does the and he runs uh touring plans. He's okay, one okay yes he's one I, of the co-authors of the unofficial guy
0: i know him by his work but i didn't know his name
2: yeah. He was talking on uh, one of the podcasts the other day about how Disney's metric has changed and their metric was always guest satisfaction. In other words, what can we do to make sure the guests are as happy as they can be? Because when they're happy, they spend lots of money. Yeah. And that has always worked. And, it, you know, it's the reason why they do these little magical things and little flourish and things that they don't necessarily make money directly on, but they know they make you happy. And therefore, yes. you, you wind up spending more. Um. The metric has changed, it is no longer guest satisfaction, it is now money spent per guest. So literally, they're just seeing how many dollars they can extract from each person instead of how many people can they make happy who will then spend money. (sighs) Hmm. That's a problem.
0: It's gonna have a rolling impact too, a delayed impact. Like, uh, but it may be 10 years, it may be five years, but years (laughs) Mm -hmm. down the line, as guest satisfaction goes down, they'll preserve. So if it's, if it's, and, and that's not even a good metric because if it's if it's, if they scare away all the normies and the only people that go there and are spending all their money are the hardcore Disney fans, mm-hmm. um, their total revenue is going to drop way down because they're going to lose the numbers, but they're going to have just the, the hardcore fans that will come no matter what, what does this sound like? Uh, <laughs> Gee, and we have bring I done it done back to, to Star Wars. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Oh gosh! <laughs> um, I don't know. Is there is there something to be learned in the in the Star Wars world about this? I I, I wonder if um if the if the uh, franchise was too focused on short term um. Profitability of stories versus, you know, broad cultural impact that kind of keeps a franchise alive and people excited about it.
2: You know, it's weird because I kind of my take on what's going on with Star Wars is that they've they've they spent too much time worrying about how to fit in with kind of the agenda of the day and to be relevant to the day. You know, it's yeah. one of the things I always say about The Last Jedi. I'm not going to I'm not trying to make this a Last Jedi bash fest yet. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I have an issue with Last Jedi is it is so 2017.
1: Hmm. And it
2: will always be very 2017, in my opinion, because just the references, the sensibilities are very of that moment. And that. And I think that was an attempt to be relevant to today's audiences. But I, instead, what it did to me was date the material. And that's the beautiful thing about Star Wars is that it's timeless. Yes. Nobody watches Empire Strikes Back and goes, wow, that's a really old movie.
0: No, no. Although Spider-Man thought so.
2: Spider, yeah, Spider-Man <laughs> did, but, uh, you know, I don't think he would have said that. But that's just me. But yeah, nobody watches Return of the Channel goes, that's a really old movie. And hey, those Ewoks, why don't they blink? <laughs>
0: but, you know, George kind of was guilty of that sometimes where I think he felt he had to update things that, that really didn't need updating to be relevant <laughs> to the time. Yeah, well, or, but, yeah, relevant to his like standard, you know,
2: but it's the technology and not the story elements. Yeah. And that's my issue with it. I, you know, I, I have no problem watching something that is dated from a technological standpoint. For crying out loud, I'll turn on Pluto's classic Doctor Who channel and watch it for hours for no reason. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, everything there is made out of notebook paper, I think. But I, I, I think one of the things they did was they tried to be hip to the kids of today at this moment. And that never leads to being relevant in the future
0: yeah i don 't even think they tried to. I think they couldn 't help themselves i think really? it, I think today, making a film, especially a franchise film, mm-hmm. there are very few filmmakers. I could probably count them on one hand that I think that can escape the the all consuming uh, global participation of the audience in advance of the story. So whether this mm-hmm. is this is why I have mixed feelings. Of, well, not mixed feelings about, but I, I think it's the perfect example is um, uh, Justice League. That's sort of like the the positive version, but it's still a little bit strange to me that you know the studio released a film that they thought was chopped up and edited enough to where it would please the audiences where, in fact, what the audience wanted, and not maybe not the broad audience, but certainly the Christopher, the audience. The, the Christopher Nolan fans wanted, um, oh, sorry, the Zack Snyder fans, the Zack Snyder fans yeah. that wanted his version of the movie. And I think it, 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 that empowered the st- and forced a studio to, to go to the director's vision. But I guess I'm saying this to say that that's the exception to the
2: rule. Well, I think no, that, no, let's, let's explore that. Okay, Let's explore that, because one of the things that I have heard said about this, and I want your take on this, because okay. I, I don't know that my mind is made up on all this. But one of the things that I've heard said about that is that the the release of the Snyder, the production of and release of the Snyder Cut basically told fans, you, you are now enabled to behave poorly.
0: Yes, and I've heard that take several times. Uh, Sonic yeah. being another example where they completely changed the visual look of the character mm-hmm. because of the outrage of the fan community.
2: And, and I, I think it can certainly be said that a number of Star Wars fans have behaved <laughs> poorly in the sequel era. Uh,
0: yeah, well, so I, I, I'm glad you asked, Scott, because I think in, in, the, um, in a universal maxim, one of my favorite things to say and one of my favorite things that that you're able to do in your show, even when you delve into the world of partisan politics, is mm-hmm. that two things can be true at once. One, yes. the, it can enable the bad behavior of fans, but it also, perversely, in this weird way, enabled and forced the studio to take their freaking fingers out of the pie and let a storyteller tell a story. It's this, it was mm. this, and that's where I see it's kind of the exception to the rule. Cause that does, isn't what usually happens. I feel like the, stu- it's normally the fans pressuring the studios and the studios being like, well, what's the pulse of what the kids want these days and people mm. in their suits and the ivory towers try to, 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 to like project what the culture wants so that that impacts the movie instead of a great movie impacting the culture. It's this, it's this self-licking ice cream cone that produces horrible franchise movies that we've had for the last few decades.
2: Now you're making me want to start the hashtag, release the Gareth cut.
0: Right? I mean, yeah. I, I'd be curious to see it.
2: I would love to see Gareth Edwards' cut of Rogue One. I'd love to see it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to... And, and I'd, love,
2: <laughs> I'd love to see what all the scenes that are in the trailer actually were <laughs> going to be.
0: Yeah, I still remember her like sprinting on foot on the beach with the like the Death yeah. Star plans and a laptop. Like, yeah. there's there's this whole other uh, direction that movie could have gone, but yep. I don't know. I think that's if if I were to to kind of really focus the point home of what I'm talking about. I I think when when you look at the Last Jedi, I'll never forget watching the um uh the behind the scenes documentary, and I see this conf- It's this shot. Uh, it's stuck in my mind viscerally of um seared seared no uh, scarred no it wasn't like that but it was um it was a couple of the producers i think kathleen kennedy was in the room but it was ryan johnson who was kind of at the corner of the conference table and he was scrolling through his phone and and he kind of he did that sort of little slight giggle when you've been scrolling through what well now tiktok but i'm sure it's instagram or something like that or twitter and he's like eh, look at these guys said," and he picks up and shows we've all had this experience we see something funny a meme or something he picks it up and shows it to everybody at the at the at the table and i just it really stuck with me because it made me realize just the level of visibility and access the fan and and here's the deal the online twitter fan community has mm-hmm. to these creators not 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 the average movie going public but the subset of um fans that are active on twitter now the
2: the amplified voices
0: yes the amplified voices and the voices that are amplified necessarily mean other voices are diminished mm-hmm. and so uh for good or for good or bad uh, there are plenty of examples of um Throughout recent information age history, last 10 years or so, where social media has amplified previously unheard voices in an effective and good way that changed society for the better. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that like Mark Zuckerberg would talk about in front of the congressional hearing and be like, no, it's good. But then as we've realized, there's like the the statute of limitations on like when that was effective and good ended years ago. (laughs) And the vast majority of it now is I think uplifting, particularly in the star Wars case, the worst instincts. And this is not on a, particular political side because i'm sure if you're listening to this podcast you might be thinking yeah insert these people on twitter are the worst but i think it very universally applies to various factions in the fan community that band together and just behave horribly but that's what's visible and that's the people who are getting the the eye and the time and energy uh of the creative guy who's leading the greatest modern space fantasy story of all time and and it's when that and that's what star wars is to me and i'm sure to you scott it's it's not just a um a nostalgia a nostalgic part of our childhood or a story that's entertaining to us for this reason or that reason or because the ships are cool or we like lightsabers or we love the Jedi. it's because the story itself has impacted us because it has universal meaning that um makes a difference and impacts those who watch it. He's talking about a story that impacts culture. It doesn't get much bigger than star Wars. So when that's reduced to the, the petty tribalism of modern day social media, it, it when that's probably the, the, the greatest representation of fan influence, that's when it's, I think unhealthy and, and not a good thing. So it's, it's, it's this weird, I, I think it's like anything in, in life where there's, there's subtlety to it and two things can be true at once. I think there are a handful of independently minded storytellers in Hollywood left, and those handful have earned passionate fan bases for that very reason. Mm-hmm. So whether it's uh, Zack Snyder or Christopher Nolan or um, uh, James, Gunn Denis Villeneuve at this point, yeah, or James Gunn, um, mm-hmm. I, that list is pretty small, I think, of of guys who've mm-hmm. kind of touched franchise type. Uh, storytelling and obviously the 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 biggest name that comes to mind is quentin tarantino but i think those are examples of guys who are able to find an independent voice that rises above and tells a story that rises above um the social media era of fandom
2: And, and that kind of thing will tend to inure you to criticism as well on on things that are kind of i don't know ticky tack to fandom you yeah. can kind of go above that because of, of the status that you've achieved through your other creations.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, dude, we got to do some Bob's. We got battle. heavy. I mean, that was a, so a a heavy episode. Let's. Uh, I we need to get dig out of this hole, man. If, if now that we've thoroughly depressed everybody listening, uh, and well, hey guys, at least we have, at least we have uh, Dave Filoni. Now well, let's do it. but it was bounty. It's worth a lot to me. As you wish. I'm continuing my tradition and no surprise on this week's episode that it has been fairly Star Wars light. We didn't even talk about the one new story I... <laughs> I put on on the notes when I saw some oh, little yeah. news. You know, we'll we'll do that. So uh, forget what you heard a second ago. We have something to
2: report. <laughs> <laughs> so I have good news. Data brought to us by the Bothan spies. We can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen.
0: So we have we have reporting. Our Bothan spies have confirmed, unofficially but kind of officially, that uh, Hayden Christensen... Listen, this is out of a a Tumblr fan blog from 10 years ago. Hayden Christensen is returning to Star Wars, not only just for Kenobi, which we knew and makes, you know, kind of perfect sense, but the Ahsoka series. Scott, your reaction?
2: My reaction is if he's just in the armor, I don't care. This is actually an argument that I had with my son, G-Man, last week. Oh, yeah? Or this week uh because he got mad he 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 tends to challenge me on occasion and uh it happens he is a guy who will keep you intellectually honest because he questions everything (laughs) no matter how exhausting that is um but i you know i told him i said if he's if he's just in the vader suit i don't care i don't want it but if he's if he's anakin outside the vader suit then i'm good with it okay i mean that makes sense to me he made the argument, well, who do you want in the Vader suit? And I said, I don't care who's in the Vader suit. As long as he walks, right, I don't care. Yeah. But, uh, but if, you know, if, if they do Anakin flashbacks, I'm very good with that. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I want that.
0: Well, this is a, a multiple sources tell Hollywood reporter kind of deal. So I feel like it's, it's a thing.
2: Yeah. Uh, when it shows up in THR, it's pretty much right. I,
0: I wonder what point in production, because I heard Kenobi just wrapped, I want to say, last mm. month. I wonder what point in production the Ahsoka series is. I'm sure they're probably still filming. If I had that's to guess, that's a good question. And uh, everything we know about Ahsoka from Rotten Tomatoes, because I think the um, I don't know the the idea because uh, I saw this. I saw this. So well, this is one time where I I wandered onto Twitter briefly uh, to just uh, check out this news uh, when I saw the Hayden Christensen thing tr- trending. Um, and I—that's where I'd forgotten about. But like, evidently, it's somewhat controversial. The—the the whole Rosario Dawson being Ahsoka is—is is evidently a sore point with cer- certain factions of the fan community. <laughs> now, which I was confused by, and I had to Google it. Um, which I don't know. I'm not going to get into the details of the story, but suffice to say, uh, she's she's become a controversial uh, figure for some political reasons but it i'm surprised that it was still a thing because this is i this is this was back in 2019
2: remember that thing you were talking about a little bit ago about (laughs) people behaving badly on social media yeah that's it right there
0: well because i was i was just surprised and maybe you know it's the wrong sub sub sample but how do you how do you feel about I feel like just for what I've seen, either because of political controversy or even just because of her as a character not being Ashley Eckstein, I I haven't seen a lot of universal praise for Rosario Dawson's portrayal of the character of Ahsoka.
2: What? What are you talking about? She was so popular, they had to remove Cara Dune from that poster and put her on there. (laughs) The artist told us that. Lucasfilm themselves said she was so popular, (laughs) they had to alter the poster. That's
0: true. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, um, well, let me ask you, Scott, like, objectively, how do you think, because this is what we care about, for the story, mm-hmm. did that feel like Ahsoka to you in, in um, Mandalorian when she showed up?
2: Uh, she did fine. I mean, she, look, she's a very
0: capable, competent actress. I'd, she did fine, but... The answer would have been yes, so... <laughs> she's not actually. <laughs> you know, she's Eckstein. like, I, she's an actress. She's an actress who does acting things, and... <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. She acts she's all acty and stuff and
0: <laughs> So you know. I thought I thought some of the most legitimate um criticism was the difficulty translating the um the live action piece. Like it's a difficult to make a Tregutin live action and that they didn't do the best job, which I would agree with that criticism. I think with the, visually speaking. The, the tail speaking,
2: lengths and stuff?
0: Yeah, and, just, and I think just the quality of the prosthetics um, mm-hmm. left some to be desired. So I, I, it was to me, it was kind of shocking when she showed up. I wasn't expecting it. But it was also like um, there was a, I think it's just the price of being a longtime Clone Wars fan and having watched the animated version of that character for 10 years. It was, it was definitely a big, a kind of big adjustment for me. Not gonna lie. Yeah.
2: So look, she's talented, she can do the job, it's fine. You know, uh, yeah. th- there's there's a part of me that says, boy, Ashley Eckstein could have gotten a shot to do that, but I I mean I don't know that I don't know that she's physically that role.
0: No, I think the the right thing would have been uh dubbing. I think I actually think that would have worked. Mm. And and that's me now, that's an unrealistic expectation from a fanboy, let's be honest, <laughs> who just likes the animated that's version. That's like, like best of
2: all couple, worlds. You know. <laughs>
0: i recognize it's an unrealistic and absurd uh expectation but for me for like riley personally as a fan it would have worked best if uh ashley Eckstein had dubbed the voice just because even in rebels like she was able to kind of age up the the character and the sound of of the voice so i feel like that worked a little bit better
2: yeah Um, she's been doing that for like 13 14 years now
0: i know yeah it's crazy
2: I mean, uh, she, yeah, was one of the,
0: she was one of the earlier earlier interviews that we ever did on, on um, Star Wars Report. I want to say it was... Um, nice. She did like a, a Star Wars books event in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the first exposure that, um, that I had to her like locally. Because w- we'd seen her like briefly at cons here or there. I think she was at Dragon Con in 2011, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And shortly thereafter where we, we first interviewed. So you can find a couple interviews with Ashley back in the archives. Um, StarWarsReport.com slash uh t- 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 mp3 Anyways, get it all in there uh, while I mean, you I can, can. <laughs> exactly right now i you think about it plug but, away um, at it now but i i i guess to finally um to kind of put a, a button on this i think the uh the hayden christensen thing is 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 good in that i think it's giving him an opportunity to show more dimension to the character that he didn't have uh the, in the context of Revenge of the Sith only. So well, what you what you're
2: saying is it's an opportunity for him to act without being directed by George Lucas.
0: <laughs>
2: That's what you're saying. I didn't say that. That's what you're saying.
0: Didn't say it, didn't. <laughs> you're so you're saying. <laughs> I well, and I think the um the idea of Thrawn making an appearance of some kind would be would be pretty cool, which is like the Who, who long, should play Thrawn though? The, Lars Mickelson. Mm. No, I don't know. <laughs> he mm. voiced him, so uh Mads Mickelson, that'd be funny. Uh actually yeah. he probably wouldn't be the worst. He's done all the Bond villains, right? So Yeah. I mean you could just go for that. Um
2: Yeah, I could see that.
0: I yeah, I could see. I think there's a lot of potential for the series, but I think um I, I, I think that the Mandalorian has this problem. Mm. I dare I criticize the yeah, this I want to the, hear, cause I ain't got ex- no problem with the Mandalorian. Ex- the Exalted Mandalorian, the Universally Beloved. Ready to get spicy guys? You ready? Uh oh. I have I have a problem. No, I don't have a problem, but I I do think it falls short in the area where sometimes the tendency to bring in characters um uh doesn't tie them into the story in the best way. Characters and locations where it tends towards the hey, look, here's a cool cameo over that. Now, I actually think they did a good job with Ahsoka. That's the, uh, Ahsoka, because she was tied into the story of Grogu and kind of gave some mm-hmm. context to the character for the Mandalorian, I think that was helpful. I think a more direct role where she kind of led... Or introduced Luke Skywalker's character more directly, tying her in with other existing characters would have helped. Because I feel like sometimes these these very popular characters like show up for a scene or two. Like Luke Skywalker is the only ultimate example of like the surprise is amazing, but that also means there's sort of a lack of context. I think an opportunity for more story integration, and I'm sure they're just going to do that in the future. So. This is like me. I can just, I can just feel the emails and the rage from <laughs> all of you guys, her fan I'm not saying it's the worst. I'm just saying in that, in that season two of The Mandalorian, it, it sometimes fell a little short. And like, here's the cantina. Woo-hoo! There's, the, it's cool, right? It's the cantina. There's a crate dragon, man. Um, you know, it's like, remember those?
2: Yeah, so, I just, you know, but I did. I felt like the Luke. I felt like the Luke cameo though was kind of just the cherry on top of the season. I don't know that I wanted him to go on a full on adventure with them. Uh, and, and on a TV budget, I don't think they did. I told you what my buddy, who's a screenwriter out there told me, didn't I?
0: I don't remember if you, ha- if you had, you may have told me off. We were, t-
2: we were talking about Mandalorian one day and I was telling him, you know, I really like the fact that they just make the show, whatever length they feel like they need to, to tell the story. Yes. And I said, that's great thing. And he said, that's not what that is. Yeah. I said, what do you mean? He goes, they're they're not trying to make the shows like when they're short, they're not short because they're short. They're short because they're trying to trim the budget as much as possible.
0: Oh, interesting. He said,
2: yeah. He said these shorter length shows are there because they're trying to save money that it's not he says it's all budgetary, it's not yeah. dictated by the storytelling.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: <laughs> I, I was I, like, I, God, just crush me on that one. Thanks. I
0: I think both might be true a little bit though. Like if they're because if they're choosing to spend more money on certain episodes, it's probably the beef, yeah. the beefier ones, right? That they but want to be able yeah. to. Yeah,
2: but I think I think doing Luke for a whole episode and a whole adventure the way they have to do them, I think it it would probably prove costly.
0: Yes, oh especially with the technology required. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I think I think so. I think the opportunity going forward is instead of trying to carry forward the Grogu story, which would be the tempting thing, he's such a popular character, mm-hmm. if 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 Luke and Grogu sort of become the um the thread to which we look forward to that's alluded to that they put like some pretty interesting building blocks mm-hmm. I could where Luke and Grogu kind of enter at a later point for whatever kind of you know, Avengers unifying story that they tell where they're kind of all if they be if they become the Thanos of the Star Wars cinematic universe on Disney Plus, constantly alluded to this like ever growing, maybe like the opposite of a threat, but this 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 ever present Spectre. You know, specter on the on the horizon. That'd be pretty yeah. cool. Um, and especially if the technology comes along long enough to where whatever this final, you know, like I say, Avengers movie that tells the whatever rangers of the new republic plus ahsoka you know luke is the actual freaking we get the the luke movie that everybody wants that'd be pretty freaking amazing or
2: just make luke part of the volume and then you can have him in every episode of everything and you did it cheap and you're good you're done
0: (laughs) that's also true yeah uh yeah well i i had to touch base on that all right let's now now we're ready now we'll move to boba's bounty it was a lot to me as you wish you know i'm glad we did we actually talked some star wars look at us look at us go we can do it um i wanted to continue my tradition that i started last week scott of not talking about star wars (laughs) on (laughs) bopa's bounty (laughs) because i can because it's my show so what the hell no um Mm. (laughs) the i'm in the midst of uh reading for the first time the harry potter books Oh wow! Okay. Now I actually don't know if you've read them, Scott, and I have the suspicion that you either have read all of them and enjoy them, or like don't like them at all. I don't feel I feel like you are not in the middle on the Harry Potter books, uh, but I am just guessing.
2: The truth is that uh, w- when they first came out, I had a buddy who I worked with who was just in love with them. Yeah, and and I always said, well, I'll have to get around to those one day, and uh, then the movie came out, the first movie. Yes. And I came out of it very unhappy and very dissatisfied, just because there were some basic storytelling flaws. Uh, one of the main, wit- the main one of which was that the hero never acts but is always acted upon.
0: Oh, and that interesting. That drove me nuts.
2: And uh, I came out of it going, "I, th- I don't like that because of this." And they, and everybody kept saying, "Yes, but if you just read the books, you'd understand." And, and that <laughs> pissed me off. Yeah. Because. The word adapt means to change in order to fit another yes. you know, element. Yeah. So when you adapt a book to film, it should be able to stand on its own as a film, and you shouldn't have to go, but if you read the book, you'd understand. Uh, so at that point, I did sour on Harry Potter.
0: Interesting, because I'm, I'm just going off of memory, but I, I, can, I can definitely see that. It does kind of break that, that rule. They, f- they fight a troll. It's it's very much the first Harry Potter book also reads kind of like a, a, a British Enid Blyton children's story. Mm. Um in, in that it doesn't sort of have the that core myth it has a lot of other sort of mythological core elements. Um but that is that is very much the case. It is because you then moved to and it, did you watch the movies? I'm assuming
2: I watched the first movie and then I just gave up on the whole thing entirely. Now G-Man, oh interesting, loves them. Okay, all here's right. the here's the weird one. Okay, because I was actually looking through, I found some photos online that were rather, um, they were concerning to me about my son. Uh oh, they're not that kind of photo. <laughs> okay, All
1: right. <laughs>
2: but uh, he has this obsession where he loves Harry Potter. He loves the books. He loves the movies. Um, But he collects book seven.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: He doesn't collect the other books. He has one copy of each of the other books. And I found the photos the other day. He has 32 copies of book seven.
0: Okay. That's amazing.
2: He has British. He's Australian. He has hardcover. He has paperback. He has 32 copies. He has a Spanish copy. (laughs) Nice. 32 copies of book seven.
0: That's 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 don't know why, you know. Well, some people like just collect st- certain Star Wars characters.
2: Yeah. Um, well, he collects one Harry Potter book. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of interesting.
0: Well, I think um, I'm trying. I honestly don't remember it because it's it, I've been reading through it very slowly. So it's been like six months since I read the first book and I have terrible memory. But um, <laughs> I, I, I more I put it down and then it'd been a while and then I just read Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire on the last uh, like two months. Wow, um, and um, I, I'm I'm doing mostly audiobook, which are re- they're mm. really good. Jim Dale is the uh, performer, and he does an amazing job. But the the interesting thing uh, I talked about last week on um, uh, what makes the book so special, and I think why I've I've surprised myself by how much I've kind of gotten into the Harry Potter thing. I just kind of always is like it's too late for me. I liked the movies, whatever. But I finally mm. decided like no, I'm going to sit down. And I'm going to re- read them, um, and I think. What I talked about last week, guys, um, was mostly about J.K. Rowling's uncanny ability to tell a a a simple story of with simple characters and simple motivations. They're, they're uncomplicated in their friendship and in 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 their life, um, and uncomplicated and very kind of. Um, people often like make jokes about Harry Potter and it's how close it is to star Wars, young boy raised by his aunt and uncle, you know, call to adventure by a gray wizard. You know, it's like, yes, yes. There's a lot of similarities to the, the hero's journey thing, but um, and I, I liked how
2: Luke took the train to the Jedi school. <laughs> and-
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I think what uh, I, and last time I, I just was reading prisoner of Azkaban last week, this week I finished goblet of fire. And mm-hmm. um, what, I think J.K. Rowling has done remarkably well in the books that is, is not in the movies is sort of a, um, is the family element that's uh, that's missing from the movies. And Scott, I know you haven't seen him, but <laughs> it's the, um, Harry, Harry becomes a part of an adopted family in the Weasleys and an adopted family at Hogwarts. And that really takes sh- a, a dual shape where they kind of are parallel, complementary uh, family units. And, what I love about them, particularly the idea of Hogwarts itself, is this, this stalwart tradition that is deeply good, flawed at times, but deeply good. And it compares the um, uh, Dumbledore and Hogwarts awareness and belief and um, and support of Harry as he begins to encounter and discover that the the you know the evil emperor palpatine aka voldemort is alive and and making a return and gathering strength and gathering his forces in shadow and as they're learning about this and as harry discovers this by way of his unique fateful tie to the ultimate villain you see um an an ancient good an ancient tradition that is the school of witchcraft and wizardry that is
2: hogwarts um that I particularly is, like the moment where they gather everyone and say, somehow, Voldemort has returned.
0: <laughs> oh. I was waiting for somehow. Well, you laugh, and that kind of actually does happen. But, um, but, but the, the, uh, the, there's this contrast, Scott, between, between what Dumbledore represents, which is the old ways, but the old ways aren't bad. And I kind of like that because the, um, in, in today's cultural world and even a lot of today's storytelling, old or traditional means bad. Mm-hmm. And, and it can, but I think what it recognizes that certain cultural values that are expressed in Hogwarts that are very traditionally British, very Tolkien, very you know, very World War II, it feels kind of like you could identify with the British spirit and the, um, my poor brain here late on the night. I don't know why I'm blanking on Winston Churchill. It's sort of like Winston Churchill flavor. Um, Dumbledore is this stalwart against the rise of evil, and he's facing it and realizes it. Famously, he will name the name of this evil wizard, but the Ministry of Magic represents the bureaucracy and the, the sort of uh, status quo that, want, that doesn't want to recognize and even refuses to acknowledge the existence of Voldemort's return in the face of ever-growing evidence. So throughout the adventures as he makes his appearance and the villain sort of begins to rise in the background and and Harry begins to mature and come into his own and his own hero's journey. And then along the way are the sort of, um, you know, the adventures of the friends. It kind of pitches this this thread story that's a very simple story of friendship and and fun and camaraderie and family that I really value because it's told well in a way that's not boring, but that showcases why those traditional things are so important. Um, and the, and it very much reminds you of Tolkien and Lord of the Rings as he kind of talks about the simplicity of the life of the hobbits, the simple joys, the, the family, the community, the ties, um, are what makes them special. And the, and the same thing is kind of represented at, at, at Hogwarts. So that's sort of my takeaway from, as I've got finished up Goblet of Fire, um, J.K. Rawlings writing continues to, uh, amaze me like she's just a very talented storyteller who's able to thread in a lot of characters but in a way that's not confusing unlike georgia r R. martin uh so so so, um there you go that's my 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 boba's bounty is goblet of fire i'm just started uh next one
2: But, you know, the the interesting thing that you say, all of those things that you kind of elaborated on were what you identified with and what you related to and what you found special about this is the timelessness, the timeless elements and aspects of all of this. Uh, And I go back to Star Wars and when Star Wars is at its best, it is telling you about timeless values and not the values of the moment.
0: Yes. No, I I think think that's why
2: Harry Potter, I mean, the first Harry Potter published over 20 years ago now. Yeah. Hard to believe. Uh, and and yet it is still just as popular and just as successful as it was twenty plus years ago. Yeah. Because there's a timelessness to what she put together.
0: Yeah, I mean, I um, I wanted to download the Audible book, so I logged into Audible and I was like, "Well, where is it?" And I was like, "Well, what's the top ten books selling right now?" Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, like right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a perfect example. These are timeless stories for a reason, and and it just I was even <clears throat> I was the perfect age growing up. I just it just like. Passed me by. It was one of those <laughs> cultural phenomenons among many that I just kind of missed. But I'm very glad that I'm returning to it, especially kind of outside of the context of any. It's not like the movies are coming out right now. The fandom is not certainly at its at its pitch. But I kind of I kind of enjoy that. So there you go. That's a yeah, cool. a, a take on Harry Potter. All right, bring us back to Star Wars, Scott.
2: Yes, because my Boba's Bounty is also book related. Nice, but it is Star Wars, actually. Believe it or not. All right. All right. Now, Riley, I would like you to tell your listening audience what that is right there.
0: So, Scott's holding up a book. Let me see. It's uh, Han Solo at Stars End by Brian Daly. Mm-hmm.
2: By Brian Daly. is the hardcover edition. Okay. Uh, I've had one of these for many years. Uh, okay. it, they are pretty easy to find. You can get them for a few bucks on eBay. No big deal. Mm-hmm. That's the first one in that trilogy. All right. Now... Please identify this one for your listening audience.
0: Han Solo's Revenge, also by Brian Daly.
2: Yes, it is uh, the hardcover edition again. Uh, once again, not quite as easy to find on eBay as the Stars End book, but still pretty easy to find, and still you can get it for under ten bucks when you go looking for it and everything. But yeah. there's a third book in that trilogy. Okay, And the hardcover edition of that is incredibly hard to find. In fact, the only two I can find on eBay right now are going for one is 50 right now and one is 90. Uh, because they're just, yeah, they're just that hard to find. And neither one of them will sell at that price. They'll go up. Yeah. Um, but recently, a friend came to me and uh, had acquired the entire trilogy in hardcover. Han
0: Solo and the Lost Legacy
2: at an estate sale and uh, he's a guy who goes and goes to sales and picks up books and and resells them on ebay it's what is kind of his sideline and nice. he picked up a beautiful copy of that whole trilogy and i said oh my god i need lost legacy and he said what he was sending me he was sending me just like hundreds of classic editions of science fiction books that he bought at the sale uh and he's you know is there anything you're interested in before i put them on ebay and i said I'm and I saw the trilogy. I said, "Wait a minute! I need though I need that right mm-hmm. there." He said, "Well, you've got every Star Wars book ever," and <laughs> not that one. Wow, that's almost true. <laughs> the uh, the Lost Legacy hardcover was always a white whale of mine. Uh, I have all of these hardcovers from this era. I have the oh. Star Wars adaptation, Empire, Jedi, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, all of that stuff. But I never could lay my hands on this. And I said, "Yeah, you know what? I'll take the whole trilogy off your hands because I knew once Lost Legacy was gone, you know, the other ones are are pennies." Yeah. Um. I'll take the whole trilogy off your hands even though I had the other two and uh just how much for it and so he said you know the whole trilogy 55 bucks and I said done dude absolutely done so uh I got it sent to me it just came in last week and then I took it and I did something I haven't done in a long time and that is I bought Mylar dust jacket covers which is why it's so shiny when you look at it
0: oh so it says it's very reflective
2: yeah, I put them in mylar dust cover jacket, uh, dust dust jacket covers because I like to do that with my books. I just, I I used to do it years ago, and this is honest goodness truth. In the '90s, I would do it, and every time I'd get a new Star Wars book, I'd wrap it. So like all my Zahn trilogy books are all wrapped and everything because oh, it nice. was this old bookstore run by these, I guess at the time, octogenarians, <laughs> and we would go in there and I would buy a bunch of those out. You know, they called them outers. Okay, these mylar covers for the dust jacket. And then one day I went in there I was like, Hey, I need to pick up some outers. And he's like, what? I said, well, I was going to buy some outers. And again, again, he's at this point, upper eighties, I guess. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, the outers, the thing, I don't sell those to people. I have them in the back and I keep them in the back. Well, it wasn't, he used to have them at the register. They just weren't there anymore. (laughs) So he chews me out about it. And it's almost one of those, get the hell out of my store now, you (laughs) vagrant. And uh,
0: that's hilarious.
2: Yeah. So at that point, I was like, okay. And I was discouraged. I never, I never ordered any more from anybody again because I was so put off. Uh, and once I got these books, I, I went on Amazon and I found somebody selling big packs of them. And so now I, I have, uh, the entire Brian Daly solo trilogy mm. and I've wrapped oh, them and they're gorgeous and beautiful.
0: That is beautiful. I love it. I love yeah. it. that's a solid Boba's bounty. Well done. Yeah. Definitely the more a star
2: year pursuit. <laughs>
0: It's definitely better than my uh, than my Boba's bounty, which had absolutely nothing to do with Star Wars. Which no, I'm,
2: but you're very analytical tonight. I like this. I mean, I, you're you're very analytical. This is night, what, what I'm talking about.
0: Well, no, this is what I ha- happens when I don't have show notes. <laughs> 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 it is. It's almost weird. I'm more. Pre- I feel more prepared when I don't have notes. It's it's this weird no, oh, it's this weird thing. But no, I think um I think that's about to wrap up an episode, Scott. I think that's that's a podcast. Tell the good folks listening where they can find you on the internet and. Uh, stay in touch with
2: you uh, you can find me at Rifen and we can chat that's good on uh, the Twitters uh, also my Star Wars story also at dinner for geeks I'm actually working on a new episode of that right now believe it oh, or no not way. and uh, uh, you can find me Scott Rifen the podcast the daily podcast that you were just referencing this yes. earlier in this episode uh, that is just go to the iHeartRadio app which is free and type Scott Rifen you'll find it or under Apple podcast Scott Rifen and you'll see it oh nice and uh, that's about it
0: Nice. I didn't realize it was on the the old Apple. Oh, yeah. I, I listened on the iHeart, right? But yeah, there you go. Uh, check it out. <clears throat> it's a lot of fun. Feel like be like me and feel like you're a local member of the <laughs> Brunswick community. Watch out, Sky. Like all of us who like listen to the podcast but live hundreds of miles away are just going to show up for your school board meetings. Like that's a thing now that everybody does. Dang.
2: Do it. I don't blame you. <laughs>
0: That's an episode. Uh, Stay in touch with us. It's at Star Wars Report on Twitter. Uh, Of course, uh, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you subscribe, Uh, especially as we finish out 501 episodes as we count down to the final Star Wars Report podcast. We do appreciate you listening this week. It was a different episode, but I hope you enjoyed it, guys. We'll be back uh, next week talking all things Star Wars. I'm working on... uh, I need to follow up. I've got a follow-up text to do, but I'm going to say it on the show so it'll make me uh, Steve Glosson working on getting steve glossin back on the program what? here very soon so stay tuned uh make sure that you can shoot us an email star wars report at gmail.com makes it real real easy you can also uh i'm not like i say i'm not really on social media much these days but uh you could still uh you could stay in touch with the star Wars report itself it's also on facebook facebook.com slash star wars report and then email's the best way i'll do a last little plug uh Substack. Occasionally, I'll write my thoughts on all things pop culture and sometimes just what's going on in life in a more long term, uh, long term, long term contemplative, as you say, Scott. What do you say I was analytical? Analytical format. Yes. It's uh, RileyWrites.Substack.com. Uh, you can check it out there. I've had some fun stuff, uh, chronicling Disney trips and fun stuff like that. So check it out. Until next time, guys. May the force be with you, and remember. Minnie Bothans died to bring you this podcast. This is my last little subtle tribute to Hollywood Studios, Sunset Boulevard.
2: (laughs) I thought you were playing It's Been a Long, Long Time because you didn't want me to rap the Ewok stuff with you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's a show, guys. (laughs) It's been a long... Long time. Yeah. All right. Let me uh, me wrap this. This will go up here uh, tomorrow, senor. I'll tag.